for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. That's brilliant. It's like Kurt is right here with us still, isn't it? All right, welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben. That's Marcus Parks. And of course, we have Henry Zabrowski. Honestly, that would just be the sound of like electricity flowing through bones. You just like attach electrodes to the bottom of Kurt's skeleton. Like, ha, 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 ha. Well, Courtney's like, kill it again. Oh, my goodness. All right. We're on to Kurt and Courtney part two. Kurt and Courtney, it's part two. Come gather around, kids. Let the uncles tell you what grunge is. And I don't mean just in the way I treat your aunt. <laughs> That's not good. All right. So on Easter Sunday, April 3rd, Courtney Love called private investigator Tom Grant in Los Angeles saying she was looking for a detective as someone had stolen her husband's credit card and she wanted to find out who. Now, Mm. if you've seen the documentary Soaked in Bleach, you know that Tom Grant is the leading proponent of the theory that Courtney Love had Kurt Cobain killed. Mm. And to Tom's credit, he does have a pretty good track record and is by most accounts a decent person. But regarding Soaked in Bleach... It is not particularly well done, and it's particularly trashy. Now, what is it? With, I, what is it with private investigators? It's never a promotion to become a private investigator. Usually, no, you're no, fired no. from being a real detective, right? It's self-promoting yourself to not having a job. <laughs> oh, I see. It's, what you do is, well, you you just don't have a boss anymore, man. You're yeah. Murtaugh, or is it Riggs? <laughs> you're Murtaugh and Riggs. Well, apparently, Tom Grant left the LAPD on very good terms. He okay. just decided he wanted to be a PD from then on. All right, but. Regarding Soaked and Bleach, uh, I did a little background work on the movie, and a lot of the people who were interviewed in Soaked and Bleach said that their interviews were taken completely out of context Mm. to fit the producer's agenda, and the producers also asked questions specifically looking to dig up dirt. They they asked a lot of leading questions, and it was obvious, uh, according to the people that were involved in this, that these guys, they had an agenda, and they weren't necessarily looking to make an objective film. They weren't looking for... For the truth. No, they weren't looking for the truth. They were looking well, for an answer. Hmm. Unless they're truth. I mean, like Tom Grant was looking for the truth because Tom Grant was deeply suspicious of Courtney's motives. And I think mostly it's got to do with the fact that he was deeply offended by her vagina. <laughs> that is very possible. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Is that, you know, while uh, the movie does make uh, a lot of mistakes and is not all that great on its own, it doesn't necessarily discount Tom Grant's assertions. Mm-hmm. You know, and at the very least, uh, you can say that Tom Grant, he truly does believe the theories that he's putting forth. Mm. And I don't think this guy's in it for financial gain. And when he says that he's in it to prevent more copycat suicides, or at least to get justice for the estimated 68 copycat suicides that happened in Cobain's wake, I believe him. I think at the very least, Tom Grant's heart is in the right place. And that was also a problem with the media, the the narrative of the media regarding Kurt Cobain's suicide. They glorified it uh, far too much. It's, It's similar to how the media glorified the Columbine killers, uh, Dylan, uh, there. And um, it, it wasn't good the way they covered it. Yeah. Well, they made it very romantic. Yeah, they did, yeah. So when Tom Grant showed up at Courtney Love's hotel room in Los Angeles, she suddenly changed her story and said, actually, I don't care about the credit card. My husband escaped from rehab here in L.A., and I want you to find him. 
And Courtney said he might have gone back to Seattle, but he might also still be in L.A., but he might have also gone to Atlanta to record some music with Michael Stipe, lead singer of R.E.M. Can you imagine Escape from Rehab as a movie with Kurt Cobain just strung out, (laughs) just trying to escape from rehab? Two hours of him trying to put on his button fly jeans, like rolling, being like, I need a cigarette first. Oh, man, look at this new Far Side comic. That's fucking hilarious, man. Oh, man, Garfield's on. Garfield's so much better than Heathcliff. Escape from rehab coming this summer. <laughs> All he did was he just jumped over a six foot brick wall on the smoking patio. It's pretty simple. Yeah. And while on heroin, yeah, he thinks he's Snake Plissken <laughs> jumping over in a motorcycle. But again, it's just him, Mr. Beaning his way up over the top of the wall. What if Mr. Bean was on heroin? The whole time? He was quite confused he quite w- a bit. He was. But he did have some wonderful ideas. Remember when he uh, went home with the chair on top of his car and he stared the car with the ropes? Yes. I hate Mr. Bean. I love Mr. Bean. Love Rowan Atkinson's hilarious. God, I love Mr. Mr. Bean, anyway. I, I hate him. I, don't, I have no idea execute how we're talking about him. Mr. Bean right now. Execute him. Can we get back to Kurt and Courtney Love, please? Well, concerning Kurt's lo- location, what Courtney didn't tell Grant was that she actually knew he was in Seattle. The day before she called in Tom Grant, Kurt was seen by Michael DeWitt, a.k.a. Callie, who was Kurt and Courtney's live-in nanny and who also just happened to be Courtney's ex-boyfriend. She also paid his rent Mm -hmm. and gave him heroin allowance. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know how you get the name Callie. Besides rolling burritos for a living. He was from California. Uh, Oh, that makes sense. Oh, wow. Very clever. (laughs) I want to be the Wisco kid. That's kind of fun because I'm from Wisconsin. (laughs) We get it. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Well, phone records show that Callie and Courtney had talked to each other eight times on the phone on April 2nd. And there's no reason to think that Callie would have withheld the fact that she had seen Kurt the day before throughout eight phone conversations. Now, interestingly, April 2nd is the day on the receipt for the shotgun shells found next to Cobain's body. And the same day, quote, unquote, a male was picked up from Cobain's residence to go buy said shells. Circumstantial, yes, but still interesting. Courtney had also filed a missing persons report with the Seattle Police Department that day under the name of Kurt Cobain's mother, Wendy O'Connor. The report said that Cobain had fled from rehab on April 1st, flew back to Seattle, purchased a shotgun, and, quote, maybe suicidal. That's a hell of a 48 hours right there. That's a big 48 hours, yeah. Yeah, that's like a Nick Nolte 48 hours. (laughs) It is. Now, some say that... Courtney Love filed the police report in Cobain's mother's name because she was genuinely concerned for his well-being, and she knew enough about her own reputation to know that the police wouldn't take her seriously. Mm. Others say, though, that she did it as a plant for what was to come later. A giant banana fern plant (laughs) for what was to come. Well, this is also what you found out later on is that Uh, She called that L.A. rehab center 13 times looking for Kurt as various people. She called as her saying, I'm his wife. I need to speak with him. Then she called as his agent. Then she called as his mother. And they knew that to cut her off. So that's I I can see her motive saying, like, I need to put this under the mom's name Mm -hmm. because no one's listening to me now. I sound like a hysterical junkie because that's what I am. (laughs) Well, but she uh, she did seem concerned about uh, about Kurt and his health. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah, You mean the big fucking uh, her wallet? Well, she had her with a guitar and a wig on. Oh, that's not. Courtney had her own. She had her own money. Yeah, she had her own. I mean, and uh, that's the the thing that a lot of people don't know is that a whole second album, "Live Through This," came out the Tuesday after Kurt Cobain's body was found. That's what she was saying. This whole time, she was supposed to be promoting her album, and so she was like, it was both pissed, but also she was using it in a way. She knows that all of this is going to lead towards the mythos of helping her push through the album, and then her first, yeah. we'll find, we'll talk about that But later. to defend Courtney a little bit, she's working on her album, she's in the studio, she's trying to be an artist, and her husband is out, strung out on heroin, escaping from rehab oh, on a regular basis. No, she'd mean, already, they'd finished the album months and months earlier. Well, you don't finish recording an album a week after it comes out. How does it work? We know how music works, Marcus. <laughs> I don't know how it works. 
just, I just, I just sing into coffee cans, and I think it's recorded. Is that the radio? What's the radio? You sound like Howard Hughes. <laughs> On March sixth, two days before Kurt's body was found, Tom Grant finally convinced Cordy to let him travel to Seattle to search the Cobain residence. Grant's guide for that search was Dylan Carlson, the same guy who had bought Kurt the shotgun. Mm. They searched the house and found nothing, but neglected to search the greenhouse above the garage, which Tom Grant completely missed. Yeah, that's the place you commit suicide. Well, furthermore, Dylan didn't mention the greenhouse at all, but again, Dylan was a junkie, so no surprise there. And some people say that, as your tone indicates, this is proof of Tom Grant's incompetence. Mm -hmm. But to be fair, it was dark and it was pouring down rain, and multiple people since have traveled to the location under the same conditions and have said the greenhouse uh, could have not only been easily missed, but was almost impossible to see. All right. Which led to the very unfortunate uh, movement in the HGTV world of calling garden houses suicide nooks in <laughs> Seattle from that day forward. That's, that's, a, that's a strange, uh, uh, what is it, house hunters? We're looking for a suicide nook. No Just pool, something though. where we can end it all? Yeah, you know. So you're looking, so, okay, so you're hoping to flip this for less money. Yeah. We're trying to bring down the market. <laughs> so the next day, on April 7th, Courtney asked Dylan and Grant to return to the house to search a secret compartment in their closet where Kurt often hid his weapons to see if the shotgun was there. Mm. When Dylan and Grant showed up, though, they found a note from Callie, the nanny, sitting on the stairs, supposedly addressed to Kurt. This is what the note read. Kurt. I can't believe you managed to be in this house without me noticing, man. You're a fucking asshole for not calling Courtney and at least let her know that you're okay. She's in a lot of pain, Kurt. And this morning she had another accident and now she's in the hospital fucking again. She's your wife and she loves you, Kurt. And you have a child together, man. Get it together or at least tell her you're okay or she's going to die. It's not fair, man. Do something now. Also, Francis took the biggest shit <laughs> I've ever seen today. It's like she's shitting for you and Courtney because I know you guys don't shit. <laughs> because of the horse. Yeah, of course. And then you just respond to that note, you're the nanny, go nanny. Why are you <laughs> writing me letters? What is happening here? He was working in a bridal shop in Flash and Queens. Ooh. And a boy for kicking out of one of those crushing scenes. I love Fran Drescher. <laughs> she is funny. Well, the strange thing is that Kurt was already dead for at least a day by this point, mm. if not more. So there would be no way that there would be anything for Callie to miss. Like, Kurt would not have been coming in and out of the house uh, because the, the note was not there the day before when Tom Grant and uh, Dylan Carlson were there. The note mm. only showed up on the 7th, and Kurt Cobain likely died on the 5th. However, it could be possible that Callie thought that Dylan and Grant's comings and goings the day before was actually Kurt. Ah. Because, they because were, he's a moron. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> yeah, they were rummaging around the house. Right. You know, uh, and yeah, he was... Callie was kind of a moron. He was not... The people involved in this tale are not the brightest and best. Well, but they know how to sleep. They know <laughs> they how to know go how to into sleep, very which deep Which, honestly, sleep. I envy. Yes. I, I have very bad insomnia, and I wish I could sleep. And heroin apparently really fixes it. So, looking into it... <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing was, you... you watch all these they're, they're specifically very irresponsible and they're specifically very dumb it feels like courtney who orchestrated all the shit because kurt did not hire these people oh. this is all this is courtney's doing courtney likes people oh. she can easily control kurt courtney's also a mess kurt didn't hire the ex-boyfriend of his wife uh to be yeah. the live-in <laughs> nanny no that, that's shocking to me <laughs> this is a very interesting ben affleck jennifer gardner situation <laughs> Of course, Courtney is the Ben Affleck. <laughs> just Jennifer Garner just covering her own shit, just being like, I have all these headless dolls I bought for Kurt for his music video. And Kurt's like, thanks, baby. <laughs> these are the best. 
I was reading a Vanity she, Fair article about she, Courtney and Kurt's relationship, and they used to walk into the living room, and the whole place was covered in headless dolls. And then they wrote, my best friend, she had written in lipstick all over the chimney of the fireplace in the middle of their living room, because she's like, we had a fight, and I mean, and I wanted him to remind him, and I'm his best friend. And then it's just <laughs> Kurt in a winter hat with no other clothes on, just like rummaging through all these dolls. He's like, you think this is a good one, baby? Baby. And then and Courtney's like, where is Francis? <laughs> they don't know where the baby is. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> well, Tom Grant says that the note was left there on the stairs, the note from Callie, specifically for Tom Grant to find so they could invent a timeline in which mm. Kurt was still alive for, as we know, Kurt had already been dead for a day or two by this point. That's Tom Grant's assertion. Right. So the next day, on the morning of April 8th, Cobain's body was found by an electrician who had been called to the house to install a new alarm system. He looked through the glass doors of the aforementioned greenhouse and saw Kurt Cobain's body lying on the floor with a shotgun lying on his chest. So you did he say, like, uh, too late? You know, no need for the alarm system. It's obvious something already happened here. Well, he. Could. I am not getting too old for this shit. <laughs> I like this. Strange. Well, well, it was either the electrician or the electrician's boss who uh, mm. called the local rock station and said, "Boy, have I got some news for you." Oh, oh. it's. It's so insensitive and insane to think. I mean, I would assume they yeah. called the police first, yeah, right? Yeah, I think they called the police first, but I think he said something like, you, next time Bon Jovi's in town, you owe me tickets, buddy. Oh, my <laughs> God. You got to see Jovi. I heard Johnny used to work on the docks, which is kind of a fun job. So when Tom Grant got the news that Kurt Cobain had been found dead, he called his office and his associate, Ben Klugman, told Tom that someone had tried to use Kurt's credit card to buy $43 worth of flowers hours before the body was found. And Kurt had been dead for a few days at this point. Mm. And to this day, we don't know who tried to use the card. Now, there are many possibilities, like he may have given it to someone to use right. weeks before, uh, or someone could have taken it earlier, uh, but some people hypothesize that it was the killer who took it. However, that doesn't explain why the supposed killer left 120 bucks in cash from Kurt's drug box and 63 bucks in Kurt's pocket while taking an extremely traceable credit card. Well, is this the equivalent to a company card where you just give it to your personal no, assistants no. and things like that? It was that. his personal credit card. I think they maybe had that infrastructure, but I don't think that he adhered to it. I'm certain that his manager probably handed me like, use this card, but he had his own card because he liked to keep things secret. I also think, I mean, Callie's in there bumbling around the worst <laughs> Mr. Belvedere who's ever existed. <laughs> Like, just right. buying flowers. I think that he knew that Kurt was dead. We're going to talk about this, I imagine. But I think Callie just found his body and was just like, oh, man, <laughs> I got to figure this shit out. Put your thinking cap on, Callie. Right. Oh, no, that's my gift buying hat. Where's my damn thinking hat? I can't think. A lot of stress. Stressful situation. Now, some say that the door to the greenhouse where Kurt was found was locked from the inside with a stool wedged against the handle, which would imply that Carco Bay was the only one in there and mm -hmm. nobody could have come in and out. But that is not strictly true. The door was locked, but it was a turn lock, which could have easily been turned while the door was still open. And the stool had also been misinterpreted. Mm. Instead of being at the main door and instead of being wedged, the stool was actually in front of a completely different set of doors that went out to the balcony on the other side of the room. Multiple doors. Yes. Interesting. Mu <laughs> as, a, as a private detective, that would be my first thought. Multiple doors. You just slowly turn into Mr. Body from Clue. Mm. Just immediately. I, uh, you know what it is? Uh, I, I was thinking, too, is if you've... But you know what... Uh, the stool. You ever seen a picture of the stool? Mm-hmm. Mm -mm. It's an art stool. Like, it's a piece of art. Like, it's not even a real stool. It had many legs coming out of it, and I believe it said on the top of it, now you've got a leg underneath you. And it's some very strange joke stool. I don't like jokey stools. Be a stool, <laughs> stool. Support me, stool. Next thing you know, no it's going to pull itself cares. out from underneath me and laugh at me when, it, when I fall on the floor. <laughs> I can't deal with these jokester stools. And then there's the driver's license. Uh oh. It was reported that Kurt had left his driver's license next to his body to help with the identification, uh, but it was actually taken out of his wallet by police and left there to aid the investigation, just to move things along a little bit faster. Right. Forensic-wise... 
No legible fingerprints were found on the shotgun or the box containing the shotgun shells that were used, suggesting they might have been wiped down. Hmm. But this is easily explained, according to forensic expert Corinne, who helped out a lot on this. Well, thank you. Yeah, now I'm in studio, (laughs) and I'm just so happy to be of help to the boys. I got so much bullet gel. (laughs) It's all over me. (laughs) Well, she said that the humidity of the greenhouse was most likely the reason why prints didn't show up. Mm. But on the other hand, she did also point out that the shotgun wasn't analyzed for prints for almost a month, and the shells weren't analyzed for another couple years, which indicates extremely shoddy police work. Yeah, you would think that's the first thing they would do is is wipe it for prints, especially in such a high-profile case. Well, a lot of the Kurt Cobain murder camp people point towards the Seattle PD for how shoddy of an investigation they did. And they didn't do a great job, uh, but... They didn't do John Bonet bad. Maybe they were smoking the weed before it got legalized just to make sure it messed you up enough. <laughs> yeah, like Alex Jones. Yes. Uh, no, honestly, uh, it was because it was pretty uh, closed and shut, a suicide case. They walked in, mm. and they um, immediately assumed it was a suicide. They saw the whole thing, which is they shouldn't have done. Yeah, Essentially, you're supposed to treat everything as like sort of like a blank slate. Right. But it was obvious, and so they just kind of bagged it up. Hmm. Yeah, and, and they, that was actually a te- that was another thing that Corinne says that they very, very quickly declared it a suicide, uh, and they absolutely should not have done that, especially something a, a high profile case like this. But the strange thing is they called it a suicide by drowning, which I, I don't think that, <laughs> that they is, really had it. They weren't paying enough attention. Inappropriate. Well, regarding the shells. Quite a bit has been made of the trajectory of the shell that killed Kurt Cobain after it was ejected from the chamber. Yes. The gun was found on Kurt's body upside down with the shell on Cobain's left side. The position of the gun, however, indicates that the shell should have ejected to Cobain's right side. Right. Which people say proves that somebody pulled the trigger uh, and then placed the gun in Kurt Cobain's hands. Well, and this is one of the biggest pieces of evidence that people give uh, when when claiming Courtney killed him. And and I'm still it is fascinating. Well, it's because they said that the gun would have to be at a he have to hold the gun at a highly uh, uh, inhumane angle. And I love the angle that it shows every time it shows the graphic of his wrist of like doing the weird. It looks like a 4chan cartoon. Now, the official line is that when Cobain pulled the trigger, the gun was right side up. But the recoil of the gun caused it to spin upside down. And forensic expert Corinne also agreed that this was a possibility. But I'm sure if we're wrong on this being a possibility, one of our gun nerd listeners will be sure to let us know as soon as they have access to their Twitter account. I love people who know everything about guns. In no <laughs> we love more. our gun nerds. We love, we love them. <laughs> We love them. Not afraid of them. <laughs> I'm not afraid of you <laughs> at all. It is their, I love you. It is their constitutional right to re- to write snarky emails regarding <laughs> our lack of it, uh, knowledge about guns. It is absolutely their constitutional right to be it by far the most annoying nerds on oh, the internet. St- you are literally picking a fight with the gun nerds. That's not the group of people to pick a fight with, Marcus. Never they- pick a guy- fight with the gun nerds. You pick a fight with the katana nerds because they don't know how to use them. No, all of our gun enthusiasts. Yes, you are. That is that is fine. You have a passion. That's good. And the reason why it could be a spin and not an outright push across the room is Kurt Cobain was using a 20 gauge, which has a comparatively low recoil. And that's also why there wasn't much blood. That's another hmm. thing that conspiracy theorists point to and say, like, well, look, there's not there's no he was shot in the head. There should be so much more blood. Right. It was a 20 gauge. It was bird shot. Uh, the shot wasn't powerful enough to create an exit wound. It was just powerful enough to destroy his brain. Really? Yeah. There was no exit wound. No. Interesting. No, absolutely not. Now, Corinne also put forth the possibility that the gun was accidentally moved or was knocked over by one of the police officers on the scene and was put back in approximately the same position, but not the exact position without the officer telling anyone so he wouldn't get into trouble. She says this thing is a lot more common than we'd like to believe. So does that mean that if he was wearing his favorite cap that says gone fishing, uh, (laughs) it would have stayed on his head? Yeah. That's, that's a good advertisement for hats. That is a good, that's an amazing advertisement for hats. Wow, okay. Yeah, and she said that the police accidentally moving around evidence, it's more common than we'd like to believe, but a lot of times cops will uh, own up to it. Sure. Uh, although there's never been any indication that that's what happened in this case. Hmm. 
did they find the banana peel he slipped on and did they find the bucket that he his other foot got caught in while he was doing this? Because I think he did Mr. Bean this. I'm starting to really think that he is the clumsiest man in the world and just sort of, he just Mr. Beaned his way into killing himself. Well, Soaked in Bleach also says that the gun was melted down right afterwards, but that's not true either. Recent pictures of the gun in question uh, were released not too long ago. So the gun, the gun is still out there. It was not melted down and that was a, a false statement. Okay. And they are brutal pictures of the gun too. Yeah. I, like I will look that up and they said like the coroner was like, I want to show you that the gun exists. And it's just him essentially pointing the gun at the camera. Like, I'm like, here's the gun. Here's the fucking gun right here. It was melted down. I got it right here. My fucking ready hands. Hmm. Why are you loading that gun, sir? Feel the power. Steel. Full projection of your penis into the world. Ultimate control. So that was one of the stranger days as a cameraman, but nonetheless, good shot. Good shot. And then there's the infamous suicide note. Yes. Now, we won't read the whole thing as it is very long and very sad, but to sum it up, the vast majority of it could be interpreted as a retirement letter to his fans rather than a suicide note. And there was evidence to interpret it like this. Cobain had recently pulled out a play in Lollapalooza, which... Lollapalooza's big alternative music festival yes. back in the day went from town to town. The guy from Jane's Addiction ran it. Always there used to be a thing called records, and there used to be a giant big brick computers that they were big. They were big. They were big, and they were they, you'd play Oregon Trail on them. Oh yeah, which is not just a trail. It's it was a game mm-hmm. where your kids die of shitting diseases. <laughs> yeah, that's basically <laughs> the entire thing. Yeah, Lollapalooza. That was a huge concert. I remember yeah. always wanting to go to that and never being cool enough to be invited. Also, I, I was ten. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as Nirvana breaking up goes, Dave Grohl said in an interview in 1998 with Howard Stern that Nirvana was in the process of breaking up at this mm. point. Like the, everything with Kurt Cobain in the music industry was coming to an end. I mean, it sounds like it's just very dramatic. There's so many antics going on outside of the art. A lot of stuff. Uh, but the big kicker for conspiracy's sake is the last four lines. They read... Francis and Courtney, I'll be at your altar. Please keep going, Courtney. For Francis, for her life, will be much happier without me. I love you. I love you. Now, the theory goes that those last four lines were forged, written by persons unknown to make it look like a suicide mm. note. And the lines are indeed much larger, and the letters do look different from the rest of the note. And the lawyer supposedly said that she found a piece of paper in a bag Courtney left behind that could be interpreted as her or someone else trying to forge Kurt's handwriting. But Carol Chasky, the linguist who was interviewed in Soaked in Bleach and said her comments were taken completely out of context, says that it was, in fact, a suicide note. Hmm. Soaked in Bleach cherry-picked her comments to imply that she had said only the end was a suicide note, but they omitted her saying the beginning and middle read as a suicide note as well. So what happened? Why why did the why did it change with the with the writing style? Was it the fact that he was getting more messed up as he was writing it? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think that if, if that's if that if if we're gonna take that and say that he did write the letter, that's exactly what happened. He shot up. He was writing it, writing it, probably paused, shot up, finished writing it, then shot himself in the head. I also think mm. that there's probably surprisingly pragmatic reasons why she had copies and was trying to copy Kurt's handwriting. I think that Courtney was running Kurt's entire life. I think there was a lot of points where she was doing things and handling bank shit for her. I also thought that she felt there would be many times it would be convenient to pretend she was Kurt or Kurt was like, just be me. And a part of it is forging a signature, doing shit like yeah. just sign this thing. I don't want to read this thing. And she goes, I'll do it. They got I know what the fuck's going on. And like, and she practiced it because she's a fucking weird-ass junkie with nothing but time on her hands. Well, I think that's her right as his wife. Well, the interesting, interesting. thing, uh, someone else put forth a, an explanation for that that was uh, even a little simpler. Uh, they used to write these weird little notes to each other as each other. Oh. The, the- <laughs> it's very confusing, this it's relationship. A- <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, 
you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash last pod. How many platforms do I work on? So many platforms. Can you believe it? Google Docs. Work on that. Very complicated. Lots of different things going out. Clickety-clack, right? Slack. Saying things to my employees. All of my, all my, my main doldgers walking around here. It makes sure it changes cluck to the word I meant for it to say to everyone. But I try to say not curse words on Slack. What am I supposed to do about it? But Grammarly doesn't fix curse words, does it? Because Grammarly's too good for it. It's too classy. It's Grammarly is an AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with high quality writing. Because better writing means a stronger impact. The pen is mightier than the sword. Except when the sword is in the room. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing and suggestions based on your audience goals and context. Can you believe it? And data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly. It's in its goods. All right. So Grammarly's great. Use it. I use it. I love its gentle harassment of my writing style because it does help me because sometimes my thumbs are faster than my eyeballs. Don't quote me on that. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. <laughs> well, this woman, Carol Chasky, uh, she said that this, the note has a lot of hallmarks of a suicide note, mm. including burden, burdensomeness of self, uh, a sense of an unbearable situation, and uh, relationship loss. And if you read the text instead of looking at the note, and yeah, it's pretty goddamn heart-wrenching. The text, right. it's, uh, if you just read black and white text, don't look at the actual note itself, just read what it actually says Uh yeah, you're like, okay, this is a this is a suicide note. Right. Uh, and the text was run through a program called Snare, 
which hmm. stands for Suicide Note Assessment Review, and it determined that, yes, it was indeed a suicide note, although the accuracy of the program was pegged at 80%. So it went through a computer to figure out yeah. if this person was emotionally unstable and well, suicidal? Apparently, this, these people came up with a computer program what? to assess suicide notes. Get, Snares! Wait. <laughs> Snares! Snares! Just because you want it to sound like a trap. Which yeah. really <laughs> right. Also, wait till Siri can decide you're suicidal by your seamless orders like yes. it's going to happen. <laughs> but unsolved mysteries who i will defend till my dying day wow i unsolved mysteries is well respected and it led to the arrest of many criminals okay. and it solved a lot of mysteries well this Robert they, Stack is the best police officer of all time they solved themselves out of a tv show there's it, no more unsolved mysteries apparently because unsolved mysteries solve them all <laughs> Well, Unsolved Mysteries. They did an episode on the supposed murder, the murder theory, and their two handwriting analysts found that the last four lines were written by a different person. Mm. They compared the note to handwritten lyrics and said there were more than a dozen discrepancies. But it could be the reason, like we said, why the last four lines were much bigger and in a different style, a little shakier, not so eloquent. It's because there was a... Massive amount of drugs and Cobain system, which brings us to the heroin. Yes. Yay. <laughs> Should I not yay heroin? Ooh. <laughs> we, we can boo heroin. Yeah. Ooh. Boo. Get yeah. out. You're out of here, heroin. <laughs> get out. Get out. Well, wait a second. I'm so relaxing. <laughs> Don't you just want a little tippity top off of that little, little bit you had earlier? Just a little bit. No, heroin. Don't. You don't talk to me like that anymore. I'm done with you. You're going to be able to wear dirty pajamas all day. <laughs> and you'll make love to the worst people in the world. <laughs> if you can even get it up. That is the sound of heroin. Now, the heroin is by far the most contested and the hardest to understand of all the forensic evidence involving the Cobain case. I spent more on the heroin than I did on anything else in the research for this episode, trying mm. to understand this shit. Now, many people point to it as the definitive proof that Cobain did not die by his own hand because, as they say, it would be impossible. Right. A confidential autopsy report obtained by the Seattle Post Intelligencer revealed that Kurt Cobain's blood contained 1.52 milliliters per liter of morphine at the time of his death, 75 times greater than the fatal dose of a normal person, and three times greater than that of an addict of Cobain's caliber, or at least that's what Tom Grant and some of the medical professionals he's consulted with say. Mm -hmm. Tom Grant maintains that it would have been impossible for Kurt Cobain to have taken this high of a dosage, rolled down his sleeve, neatly put away his kit, picked up a shotgun, and pulled the trigger. They say that at the very least, unconsciousness, if not outright death, would have been almost instantaneous, far too quickly for Kurt Cobain to even take the needle out of his arm, much less put everything away. Hmm. Now, there have been a few attempts to debunk the heroin claim. The first was Nick Broomfield, who was the documentarian who also made the Eileen Wernos documentaries. Oh. In his film, Kurt and Courtney, Broomfield cited a study in which a man was given more heroin than Cobain had in his system and was still able to stand on one leg. And that was good enough for Broomfield. Sure. Problem with that is that the study was done with morphine, not full-on heroin. And the dosage hmm. was ingested, not intravenously shot so that debunk fails so did that guy just die yeah what happened to that <laughs> strange was he just a college student who was like i volunteer for the study and they're like here's a bunch of morphine stand on one foot he was a oh man i stand on one foot all the time not a problem <laughs> oh that actually is kind of the problem uh with the whole heroin thing which we'll get into in a second not a whole lot of studies done on it. It's very difficult to do as a doctor. Yeah. Just to, to <laughs> force people to have heroin running through their veins to see if they die or not. Uh, another debunk attempt is based on a 1999 Swedish study in which heroin users were allowed to take as much heroin as they wanted and were reported to have much more heroin in their system than Cobain had in his. Sven, come closer. Here's a study. We can do as much heroin as we want. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, Sven. My name's Sven. Your name's Sven. I am also Sven. Oh, let's be ghosts. <laughs> oh, that's, that sounds like a fun study. Uh, but the people who cite this study are misinterpreting the data. Mm -mm. The dosage that the patients received 
that was much higher than Cobain's was a mean average, meaning they took that dose over the course of three treatments throughout the day. You trying to you trying to do professor stuff right now? <laughs> you, you trying to you trying to make me feel like I'm back in college? Well, I mean, you I fuck it better than me. You want to be taking notes? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, what it actually is is they gave these heroin addicts. I think it was 474 milligrams throughout the day, where I Kurt see. Cobain had like 225 milligrams. Uh, but the difference was that those guys, those other guys, they were taking uh. 425 in three different doses throughout the day. That was their average throughout the day. Mm. Kurt Cobain took his, which was less than that, but he took it all in one shot. It's essentially the difference between chugging a bottle of whiskey in five minutes versus drinking that same bottle over the course of a day. Sure. Neither is good, but there is a difference. Well, one makes you cool, and right. one makes you my dad. <laughs> yeah, one makes you John Belushi from Animal House. The other one just makes you a, uh, a former cop. And, and as far as there being heroin still in a system from the night before, heroin has a half-life of about 30 minutes. Heroin is in and out of your system right. very fast. Uh, and the half-life, that means that the drug is flushed out of the bloodstream in that amount of time. But the biggest problem with the heroin theory is that we don't have a ton of data on tolerance levels mm. uh, because they can't very well just go shooting up heroin into people to see when they die. Right. And the toxicology is very hard to do post-mortem. We also don't know what Cobain's actual tolerance level was. It right. might have been that high. We just don't know. Well, he was doing 400 bucks a day of heroin for yeah. how many years? Three or four years, probably? S- somewhere around there. Yeah. But when you say 400 bucks a day of heroin, like you, what purity was the heroin? Right. Where was it's he getting it from? We had a listener comment on one of our posts uh, that was saying the same thing about uh, how $400. He was a former junkie, suicidal junkie. They like got cleaned up, and he's like, $400 a day is an insane amount of heroin. Okay. Like if you are literally doing a lot, that's a lot. That's like, and then also, and in, in counteractively, that Courtney loves twenty dollar a day is probably fake. She was probably even lying about doing that. She probably was even less of a habitual user of uh, heroin than she wanted to be. Hmm. She was just saying it to literally have some kind of cred in the junkie world, quote unquote. Sure. And it also must be said that Tom Grant and those other uh, medical examiners that he spoke with, they're basing that figure that. 1.52 milligrams per liter figure mm-hmm. on the newspaper report from the Seattle Post Intelligencer, not the actual autopsy report themselves. Oh, okay. And or, of course, newspapers get it wrong all the time. Newspapers get it wrong all the time. They don't have access to because autopsy reports in, in Washington are confidential. They've mm. never seen the actual autopsy report. So they might not even be working with the correct figure. There's just too many variables here. But in a weird coincidence, the chief medical investigator who declared the cause of death to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound was actually friends with Courtney in the Los Angeles music scene in the 80s. Oh, okay. So someone on the inside, perhaps. And he had actually booked Nirvana's third show when he was in medical school because he had a side business promoting punk concerts. I don't like my doctors having a side business promoting (laughs) punk concerts. I don't think they should. It's a decidedly dirty environment. Right. (laughs) So it's like one day he's taking out uh, uh, your gallbladder, and the next day he's like, and by the way, uh, we got Ween coming through on Sunday, so you want to make sure to check them out, too. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. I'm seeing Ween in June. I can't fucking wait. Awesome. Oh, he's just eating a bunch of angel trumpets he found on top of a 7-Eleven garbage can. He's just like, oh, man, I'm, a, I'm living my best two lives. I'm a bad doctor. Great promoter, though. And when you add up all of the murder theory, the murder theory conspiracy stuff, uh, the prevailing theory is that Callie, the nanny, helped Kurt shoot up in the greenhouse, injected him with way too much, Mm. placed the shotgun in his mouth, and pulled the trigger, all on the orders of Courtney Love. Another theory is that the CIA killed Cobain because he endorsed Bill Clinton for president Wait, and was that. planning to lead yes. a youth anarchist yes. uprising eventually. Yes. Blood oh on goodness. the Clintons' hands. <laughs> this is a part of it. This is another corpse on the pile that Hillary Clinton <laughs> oh stands God. atop. Justice for Vince. I see Vince Foster, of course. Okay, so let's just we just took a massive leap off of a huge bridge like a lemur. Uh, okay, so either Callie the nanny, who was former boyfriends of Courtney Love, killed Kurt Cobain. 
Now, theory two is the CIA did it because <laughs> yep. he endorsed Bill Clinton and wanted to have an uprising of youth, uh, individuals, goths. What what is yeah. happening? Yeah, just youths, Can, youths. Oh, yeah, the, you know how many youths were listening to Captain Yeah, yeah all oh, of them. I would have been the the biggest, weirdest are. one on the front lines of the Nirvana army. And the funny think thing about if instead of, think about instead of GE took over everything what if Jinko did oh my goodness <laughs> well yeah actually Kurt Cobain did come out for Bill Clinton for president he was like kids go out and vote go vote for Bill Clinton I love and it. think about this even further Ben who uh-huh. was Bill Clinton running against in 1992 George H.W. Bush yes. uh-huh. and what was George H.W. Bush's uh, previous job he was head of the CIA. Nailed your ass to the wall. <laughs> well, that's, that's definitive enough. proof. So also, we, you know that I mean, Bill Clinton was the McDonald's candidate. He was. He was the one who loved McDonald's the most openly, and who loves McDonald's more? Than a career junkie. <laughs> That's a good point. I really wish he would have lived until 96 and then Kurt Cobain was like, I think I'm going to support Bob Dole. <laughs> Get out there and vote, kids, for Bob Dole. I think his fucking hand is funny. Look how small it is. It's all fucked up. He's a how war hero, Henry. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high-coverage foundation. More popular than soft-launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. <laughs> so you got Cali. You got the CIA. Uh-huh. And then you got El Duce. Oh, oh This my fucking goodness. piece of shit. <laughs> Okay, so who the hell is El Duce? Eldon Hoke, a.k.a. El Duce, was the lead singer of a disgusting Los Angeles metal band called The Mentors. Here's an example of their work from the song Donkey Dick. So like uh, so we're not we're not scared of El Duce's lawyers. <laughs> so like what do you think we should call this song? Like you know, I was thinking to call we call it a treatise, treatise on on misspent youth or 
Donkey Dick. <laughs> I like Donkey Dick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, actually, the mentors they were brought up by Tipper Gore during our whole uh, scan. You know, when Tipper Gore yes. came up and said that every all music was evil and they needed to have the parental advisory, yes. they brought up the uh, mentor song "Golden Showers," which you know what that's. Oh, about. hilarious! And the the parental advisory did so much good for music oh. because you had yeah. to get it. If it didn't have the parental advisory on it, it was trash. You oh, had yeah. to get it. Oh man, we knew what was good. It, it was like a label for what was great yeah exactly it was the dumbest idea and it worked exactly in the opposite but you know what god damn i thank him for it oh absolutely i love a good parental advisory cd so el duce claimed that in december of 1993 courtney love pulled up in a limo to the record store where el duce worked and said el i need a favor my old man's been a real asshole lately i need you to blow his fucking hat off Oh, my goodness. Yeah, she, according to El Duce, offered him $50,000 to go up to Seattle and murder Kurt for her. El said, sure. He went inside. He got a business card and said to call the record store when she was ready, as that's where he took his messages. Mm. Now, how much, credi- <laughs> how much credibility are we getting, giving the author of Donkey Dick here? Well, we'll get to that here okay. in a second. Yeah. yeah. Now, this was corroborated by the other guy working at the shop that day, Karush Sapagian, who said he saw Courtney Love drive up and the El Duce came inside right after saying she just offered him the hit job. I just picture them. Perfect guy. Perfect assassin. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Well, the reason why she supposedly chose El Duce was because El Duce had a, uh, well, he had a reputation for doing anything for a buck. He's El Duce, and he wrote Donkey Dick. Uh, They remind me of the two characters from High Fidelity, Jack Black and the other dude who worked in the record store. These are the piss-trashiest versions of those guys. Hey, hey, man, hey, hey, man. 25 bucks says, I drink this whole fucking thermos full of horse piss. You all right? I, I didn't say I was going to give it to you. You just. No, you didn't. No, I didn't make the bet with you. You, you didn't finalize the a transaction. You just drank. You, yeah, you just. So. El Duce does it again. <laughs> well, the guys eventually decided it was a joke and forgot about it until March of 1994 when Karush got a call from Courtney Love looking for L. But L was out on tour with the mentors at the time, so he didn't get the job. Now, all this sounds pretty goddamn stupid. Right. But on March 6th, 1996, Tom Grant claims El Duce underwent and passed a lie detector test administered by Dr. Edward Gelb, the top polygraph examiner in the U.S. at the time. Gelb was the same guy who performed the infamous lie detector test O.J. Simpson took and failed a couple days after Nicole was murdered. El Duce's a very good liar. He's a creative. You can't trust him. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, we're all creatives as well. I never wrote Donkey Dick. (laughs) I I would never have the creativity to write a song with such brilliance and poetic uh, genius. The most fucking crazy part about Donkey Dick is that my penis itself is only about two inches long. (laughs) So that took a lot of imagination. Like the lead singer of Foghat, huh? Well, El Duce passed with a 99.1% certainty when asked, did Courtney Love ask you to kill Kurt Cobain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe she did ask, but perhaps it was one of their inside dark jokes. And he passed with 99.84% when asked, were you offered $50,000 by Courtney Love to kill Kurt Cobain? Hmm. $50,000? I'll suck your fucking feet, Courtney Love. And we know that your feet are too heroin-covered, shit-covered. Griffin talents. <laughs> well, she's a busy woman. <laughs> now, lie detector tests, of course, aren't foolproof, but it yeah. is interesting nonetheless that you would be able uh, to pass with such flying colors. Uh, and the other guy, uh, Karush, he took a polygraph too, but he kept nodding off during the test, so his results were old and inconclusive. He, he fell asleep during the polygraph? Well, he was a junkie. He nodded off. So what if you are on heroin, and I'm not even, I'm just asking a question, because your senses are low and everything is even keel, would that help you pass, uh, would that help you pass the test? Because if you're like, yeah, you know, if you lie or if you tell the truth, it doesn't matter. Your, your emotions aren't there. 
You know what? I have no idea. Good question, sure. then. Thank you. <laughs> good question. That's that a was question. a very good question. You're a very good interviewer. <laughs> well, All technically, it didn't solicit a response, so actually it was a bad question because it led to the halting of the conversation. <laughs> this whole thing is like the dumbest version of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spies yes. that exists. It's just nodding off idiots that are incapable of anything. And I did, I, Ed Larson from the Roundtable of Gentlemen, I went to see Tinker Tailor soldier spy with him and he fell asleep within 30 seconds and I then have, he woke up at the end of the movie and he said good that's a good movie I, I was like it. you didn't watch I it I loved it he slept and he openly snored throughout this incredibly quiet film <laughs> and he also looks a lot like El Duce <laughs> he does oh my god we miss you Eddie yeah and you know what this whole lie detector thing that would have been the end of the story for El Duce mm. if not for the circumstances of his mysterious death not a week after being interviewed for Nick Broomfield's documentary, Kurt and Courtney. Huh. In that interview, El Duce, visibly intoxicated, confirmed the story and then went on to say he knew who killed Kurt. He then let something slip. Uh-oh. Here's that interview. But did she tell you how she wanted you yeah, to pop Yeah, she says, blow his fucking head off. I got the shotgun. But she didn't say anything about Make making it look it like look a like suicide. suicide. Well, yeah, but if you just blew his brains out like you said, it wouldn't look like suicide. It looked like you blew his brains right. out, right? But uh, I told Alan, I mean, uh, my friend, who... <laughs> uh, I'll let the FBI catch him. But uh, <laughs> that's just the way it's done. End of story. <laughs> I got... <laughs> Hey, 50 grand does a lot of talking. Yeah, you buy me a beer, what? I might do some more talking. <laughs> uh, you didn't mention he was interviewed by Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? The guy sounded just like Ozzy. That's <laughs> Nick Broomfield. Interesting. No, Ozzy sounds like, they all They're all Sharon. Sharon. No, the name Alan. Uh, when El Duce was talking and he said, I called up Alan and right. then caught himself like, oh, I mean, my friend. Alan was in reference to a local dirtbag who called himself Alan Wrench. Hmm. And he was a member of the band Road Whore and was known for random acts of violence. Okay. And according to a tripod website I found, the anonymous writer who set up the damn thing said a few weeks before El Duce died, he met up with him in a bar, and El said he didn't have the stomach for murder and had set up Courtney with Alan Wrench to do the job. Hmm. The anonymous poster went on to say that after the death of Kurt, Wrench suddenly had enough money to buy a house and two new cars. Wrench was also not in the habit of letting shit go and had heard about the interview El Duce had done in which he'd named him. On the night of El Duce's death, Alan supposedly, according to this tripod person and one other person on Facebook that I found, showed up at El's house, dragged him outside, and got into an argument. The two then left together, and later that night, Duce was struck and killed by a fast-moving train, hmm. and he was silenced forever. You know you are a near-professional scumbag if you die getting hit by a train. <laughs> They are easy to avoid. Well, some, they Just come don't at you go fast. To the tracks. If yes. you don't want to get killed on a train, you don't go to the tracks. You also ignore the right for for minutes. Well, that's why he was probably killed by Alan Wrench. I hear that this is one of them ghost trains, El Duce. <laughs> and then if you just lay, if you just look at the train long enough, it passes right through you. Are you fucking with me, Alan Wrench? <laughs> is that your real name? Absolutely. I was born Alan Theodore Roosevelt Wrench. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the end, uh, while there is compelling evidence on both sides... If I had to choose my first instinct now after doing all this research mm -hmm. that, yeah, he probably committed suicide. Okay. It was a murder. Uh, but I will say that I started this journey believing that Kurt Cobain had been murdered. But I don't think that it had to do much with my feelings towards Courtney Love, which I have been accused of. I do and always will think she's a terrible person, yes, but I think it had a lot more to do with the fact that I wanted it to just be a murder rather than being a suicide. Because yeah. oh, I yeah. think, well, I think suicide, I think 
it's easier to understand murder. Murder just somehow yeah. makes a lot more sense. And there's someone to punish with a murder. There's the possibility of justice with murder. And because someone you love has been taken away from you. And like, right. fucking somebody's got to pay for it. But with Kurt Cobain, there's no one to blame. And it was a massive disservice to just uh, the young generation, as you said earlier, with the 68 uh, copycat suicides and oh, stuff yeah. like that. It would have been much better had he not committed suicide. Or, um, But it is interesting. Why did these stories even come about then with El Duce and Alan? If none of them are true, why did they even exist? Because everybody's a junkie shithead in the story, and it's what we talked about the last time, is that Kurt Cobain was a famous person, so everyone views the yeah. him as just a big pile of currency. Everyone wants to be a part of the story, a part of the legend. His suicide basically completed the grunge idea of a superstar that was too sensitive to handle. It was it was in the story line. It, was, it, it, it fit perfectly. Everybody wanted to be a part of it, especially scumbags like El Duce and shit who just show up and act like they're they're a part of the story, right? Because it gives them cred. Sure, and we didn't even talk about the the curse of twenty seven and all those oh, sorts well, of things. But yeah. uh, you know, it's very interesting. Um, I think twenty seven is just the year that your body stops being so resilient to drugs. Could be uh, I, yeah. I, because I know my hangover started getting a hell of a lot worse once I started hitting my late twenties. I think right. I really think yeah, that's part be. of what it is is that when you're young, your body can handle that shit so much better. But when you start getting older. Um, you just your body just stops putting up with that shit, and a lot of times people end up dying. Well, I have my own theory of who killed uh, Kurt Cobain, and I'm going to say it was the music industry. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Also, we didn't even bring up Richard Lee, who tried to bring up all of this shit back into the forefront. He was really investigating the murder because he's a piece of shit. Well, Richard Lee hmm. actually started a public television access show. I think a week after uh, Kurt Cobain uh, died, uh, and saying that who killed Kurt Cobain? Someone killed Kurt Cobain. Right. Uh, he was among the first people to just not just couldn't accept it. Just couldn't accept that it was a suicide. Uh, and I think I think that's the, yeah. the thing is that I think it is among like super hardcore Nirvana fans. The whole, uh, especially the more conspiracy minded like sure. us, uh, the the murder thing makes a lot more sense. But you know the the weird thing was that I actually found that after I had looked at all this stuff. And eventually it said, like, okay, yeah, accepted it. It is a suicide. I actually found myself enjoying Nirvana more. I, I, hmm. I found it to be, like, a little bit more peaceful to listen to. There wasn't uh, a lot of the anger that I was carrying around with it when I was listening to it before and be like, he got, was fucking murdered, man. He was murdered. I heard the CIA killed him. <laughs> That's what I hey, heard. Hey, man, never cross the Clintons. Yeah. I never will. <laughs> well, it's like in the end, you know, like, Kurt Cobain is, like, he's just a guy who right. needed help and didn't get it. You yeah. Know, it, just yeah. like, you know, and unfortunately, like, his suicide, it spawned, like you said, 68 Right. copycat suicides, but we also know that suicide's extremely complicated. Those 68 people weren't getting the help they needed either. Right. So, you know, we just gotta say, as always, when we talk about you like that, uh, if you feel like you might hurt yourself, please fucking tell somebody. Don't yep. be afraid to reach out for help, uh, and, and the don't, thing, don't do it, please. The great thing about the community that is created because of everyone that listens and this whole uh, family that we have together is there is accepting, wonderful, loving people who will help you through uh, your, mo your, uh, your more difficult uh, things, and don't be ashamed about talking about it either because everyone has their own uh, issues that they have to deal with, and it's not embarrassing. It is just what it is, and it's life, and it's yeah. normal. Yeah. We all need help. I got a therapist. I, I talked to I talked to that woman all the time. I mean, I pay her to speak to me. Right. <laughs> but I think that that's fine. It's fine because now she has to speak to me, and it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you want to know more about kind of that, you know, talking about stuff like this and depression, anxiety, paranoia, uh, things like that, go listen to uh, Sex and the Human Activities. It's a show I do with Henry's sister Jackie, where we talk about our whole mental health fucking problems and all that. There it is. All right. Yeah, because we're shitheads and I can't fix your problems. <laughs> no. No, you can't fix can, your own problems. Yeah, and you can and I'm not going to fix your problems either. You can only fix your own problems. That's right. I'm just I'm sitting in a sound tent. That's all I know. <laughs> I am covered in sweat. All <laughs> right. I am my tits are so wet right now. Oh, no one wants to hear that. Good God. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Kurt and Courtney part two. Uh, again, I think, yeah, Courtney's an interesting uh, character without a doubt. I don't think she's as bad as people make her out to be. Also, I don't believe that she's, uh, yeah. well, no one really makes her out to be good at all. So yeah. well, I think she's no, better. Than, some than, people than... actually do revere her quite a bit. Well, uh, yeah, but some good things. With yeah, her. yeah. She's a, yeah. I think, no, Courtney Love is not a murderer. No. Uh, but she's not a fucking good person either. She was amazing, though, in The People versus Larry Flint she when was, she played a 
Chinese drug out heroin addict. So maybe <laughs> she had that. some, you know, method acted with that. But she was very good in that film. She was fantastic in yes. that. And like I said, like I, I fucking love Live Through This. Like that album is awesome. And I will also dispel the rumor. Uh, she did write, Hole did write Live Through This. Kurt Cobain did not write those songs. All right. Uh, because there is evidence of them playing those songs, like earlier versions of those songs before Kurt and Courtney ever met. So dispel that rumor. Um, Courtney Love's a good musician. Okay. Fucking accept it. When, when Just a good. bad person. When she's sober, yes. Um, all oh, right. And I also want to say special thanks to Corinne and April for their help on this, and they were a super big help. Very nice. Mm-hmm. And awesome. I, I, what is it, Christina, the psychology expert? Yeah. She sent me an email today, and she said, I have no mental problems at all. <laughs> I swear to God, <laughs> I got an email. I, I could go pull I it up on my phone. I want to see that printed out, and then I want to see her signature on it, and her standing next to a printed out version <laughs> of it with her signature on it. Well, that's that's what it said at the end. She said, I've been made uh, resilient through experience. Uh-huh. So, I, give me my phone. I will read you the email right I, now. I don't, think, I, don't think you're, I don't think you're lying. I think you, you got you're, that you're email. You're treating me like I'm lying. I, no, I, think, I, show you I guarantee you, I, you're lying. I guarantee oh, you that you got that email. I just don't know if I agree with the diagnosis. She is a psychology <laughs> expert. <laughs> she also hasn't known you for seven years. No, you you are a, you're a numbskull. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. Good God. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, very insightful, wonderful conversation, and we learned a lot. Yeah, we, we actually always. did. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for listening, and thanks to everybody uh, who has given to our uh, Patreon. Yes. Uh, Patreon.com slash last podcast on the left is where you can go if you feel like uh, we deserve a, a little bit of monetary compensation for what we do. Of course, uh, if you give just a dollar or more, uh, then you get access, uh, early access to tickets yep. uh, for all of our future live shows. Coming to Texas this week. Yeah. Uh, there's still tickets left for Austin uh, and Houston. Uh, so go to cavecomedyradio.com slash live. We've also got a bunch of other dates coming up here in the future. Go to cavecomedyradio.com slash live uh, to get tickets to all of those, including an upcoming Milwaukee show in July. And I will give it- anyone who listens $50,000 if you kill Henry Zabrowski with barbecue. <laughs> Find a way to do it. I'm just going to throw it out there. And it's That's not just stuffing go. it down his throat either. He had 10 times more barbecue than any human could have. <laughs> Our tolerance has just gotten so large for pork man. Our tolerance. Uh, so check out last stream on the left on adultswim.com slash live slash streams every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and find us out on fucking Twitter. I'm at Henry Loves You, at Marcus Parks, at Ben Kissel. Yep. Find us on Instagram at Dr. Fantasty, at Marcus Parks, at Ben Kissel 1, the number one. Mm. And find uh, last podcast left and all the fucking horchids at LP on the left. That's right. And keep on supporting all the shows here on CCR, Abelian's Top Hat, Roundtable of Gentlemen, Page 7, Sex and, Other, uh, Sex and Other Human Activities, as mentioned before, Movie Signs with the Mads, um, Wizard and the Bruiser, and a whole series of other things here on CCR. Thank you all for your support. You're amazing. Uh, all right. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. And I'm going to go Hey, uh, let's skip the heroin this week, huh? Just this Give week. it a skipperoo. Yeah, I, oh, if you skip heroin every week, you never do it. Yeah. Which I'm so pro that. I've been skipping heroin. That's good for you, Marcus. <laughs> good work. Magustalations. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 